Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a daf or so. Today is President's Day and President's Day always falls out in the midst of Black History Month. So it's only appropriate to point out that today we celebrate the uh, lives of George Washington, the first president of the United States who owned enslaved people, and Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, who was responsible ultimately for the war that freed many enslaved people, though uh, he wasn't a convert to the fact that enslaved people should be freed until pretty late in his career, and it's complicated. So we are uh, on page 14b, Bet. we are about 14, we're about four, five, six lines from the bottom of 14b in the page as it was set out by the widow and brothers Ra'im. It's at the Nikudo Taim, the two dots. If you click through on the podcast button, you'll see that there are links to different places where you can get the page on your phone. You might want to stop now and pull that up on your phone and then continue with the podcast. Okay, so here we go. So we are in the middle of talking about the order of the books in the Bible. We noted, and we'll see again here, that the books in the Bible are different in the way that the rabbis in the Talmud are laying them out than they are in our order of the Bible, which probably came together by the Masoretes. And we have in the second, third century, and we have evidence of that in the famous manuscript of Tanakh from the Keter Aram Soba manuscript. Okay, so here we are. Sidran Shaktuvim, the order of the books of the writings. Rut v'sefer Tilim v'iyov u'mishlei kohelet shir shirim v'kinot Daniel Megilat Esther Ezra v'dibrei hayamim. So the order of the books of the writings are Ruth, Psalms, Job, Parables, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, Echa, or Keynote, Daniel, Daniel, Megillat, Esther, the Book of Esther, Ezra, and Chronicles. And if you know the book, the order of the books in our Bible, that's very different. Our Bible starts with Psalms and then Proverbs and then goes on from there. But this is the way that they have it. And the order is going to be important because of the fact that they're going to question the order and they're using the order as a hermeneutic. In other words, the order of the Bible has its own literary meaning. So the question is, since it starts with Ruth, according to the opinion of the one who says that Job lived in the time of Moses, so why isn't the book of Job put in the beginning of the order, rather than stuffed down there in the middle after Psalms, where and Ruth is the first book? So they pull up a principle. We do not start with bad stuff, with Puranut. Ruth Nami Puranuti, but Ruth is also talking about Puranut. Ruth is also talking about awful bad stuff that is happening. Puranut de Achrit. It's different because the Puranut in Ruth, the bad things that happen in Ruth, they have a the end of it is a is a is a good ending. So when it has a nice ending, that's different. That's okay. Dama Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan says, Lamanikra Shma Ruth. Why does it why is her name Ruth? She had Sami Mena David because her descendant was King David. 
who sated God with uh, songs and praises. And there is a play there in the Hebrew on Rut, Resh, Bav, Taf, and Riva, Resh, Bav, Hey. Those are two uh, words that seem to be close to each other and could be uh, midrashically close to each other. Umi Katvan. And who wrote these books? Now that we have the order, who wrote the books? Moshe Katav Sifro. Moshe wrote his book, meaning Torah. Uparshat Bilam, and the story of the prophet Bilam. Ve'iyov, and the book of Job. Yoshua Katav Sifro. Joshua wrote his book, Joshua. Ushmon Epsukim Shabbat Torah, and eight verses in the Torah, meaning the eight last verses in the Torah after Moses died. And we're going to get back to that. That's going to be a, a subject of discussion in a few minutes. Shmuel Katab Sifro, Samuel wrote his book, Vishoftim Verut, and Judges and Ruth. And actually, those books are put together in the Christian canon. Ruth is put together with Judges and Samuel, whereas in the Hebrew canon, the Jewish canon, it is not. David Katab Sefer Tehilim, David, King David, wrote the book of Psalms with the help of ten elders. Adam Arishon, with the help of Adam, Aidei Malki Tzedek, with the help of Malki Tzedek, Aidei Avraham, with the help of Avraham, Aidei Moshe, with Moses, Aidei Haman, and with Haman, Aidei Yedutun, Aidei Asaf, Aidei Shloshabne, Korach, and with the help of Haman, Yedutun, Asaf, and the three children of Korach. So now, these are various different people. Some of them we know, and some of them we don't. Malki Tzedek gets a verse in Torah, and then gets a decent amount of fame and celebrity from that one verse, Malki Tzedek was in the time of Abraham, and so he's one of the people that's mentioned. Rashi says that here that he wrote Psalm 110. However, in his commentary on Psalm 110, Rashi says that actually Abraham wrote Psalm 110. Adam Arishon is mentioned here, according to Rashi, because there is a Psalm, the verse in Psalms that says, Golmi ra'u enecha, you have your uh, your eyes have seen my formless form, and that can only be talking about Adam, which God created out of the earth. Therefore called Minha Adama, therefore called him Adam. These other folks are mentioned in places as wise people, and they're uh, they are also mentioned in the introductions to the Psalms, Yudutun, Asaf, and Bnei Korach. Yirmiyahu Katab Sifra, we continue with the list of authors. Jeremiah wrote his own book, Vesefer Malachim, and the Book of Kings, Vekinot, and Echa, uh, the Book of Lamentations, Chizkiah, Vesiato, Katvu Yeshaya, Mishlei Shir Shirim Kohelet, the King Chizkiah, and his circle wrote Isaiah, Proverbs, Song of Songs, and Ecclesiastes, Ansheik Nesdek Dolah, Katvu Yecheskel, Vishnema Sar, Daniel, Gilat Esther. And the men of the great assembly wrote Ezekiel the twelve, meaning the twelve, the collection of twelve short prophets, at the end of, of prophets, uh, Daniel and the book of Esther. Now, Ancheik Nesdagdalah, the uh, men of the great assembly, which is also mentioned in the introduction to Ethics of the Fathers or Ethics of the Ancestors, Prakeavot, uh, this kind of wisdom book in, which is included in the Mishnah, that they are included in the chain of transmission. Moshe, Yibel Torah, Misinam, Sarali, Yoshua, Yoshua, Leskenim, Leskenim, Vim, Vim, Lanshek, Nesta, Gedolah, Moshe gave, received the Torah at Sinai, gave it to Joshua, Joshua gave it to the elders, elders gave it to the prophets, and prophets gave it to the men of the great assembly. It is unclear who the men of the great assembly are. There are various different traditions. Mordechai, from the book of Esther, according to one Midrashic tradition, was a member of the men of the great assembly. But they are actually a placeholder for a couple of centuries 
um, until we come back to people that we can date, or that the, not that we can date, but that the rabbis can date. Ezra Katab Sifra, Ezra wrote his book, the book of Esther, V'yachas Shel Yamim Adlo, and uh, he wrote up until uh, the seventh chapter of Ezra, where the discussion of Ezra's own genealogy happens. So that means that Ezra wrote Chronicles and through the return to the land of Israel in Ezra. Ezra and Chronicles were probably one book at one time. This supports Rav, Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rav, Ezra did not go up from Babel until he defined his own genealogy. Ezra was pretty obsessed with genealogy. Um, he was the one that separated out all the intermarried folks and forced the men to divorce their non-Jewish wives, uh, and also, uh, so he uh, made sure that his own genealogy was pure before he went up to Israel. Until he established his own genealogy, and then he went up to the land of Israel. Uman Askein, who finished off the book of Ezra? Nechemia ben Chachlaya. Nechemia, the son of Chachlaya, who's also the companion book to Ezra, is Nechemia, written by Nechemia ben Chachlaya. So we can ask the question here, which uh, since we're going to be dealing with this for the next offer. So what, what's going on here? What difference does this make? Are these actually, what, what's the point of these attributions? So what the rabbis are doing is they're creating a certain narrative of uh, scripture. Right? We have the Torah, the first five books, are its own narrative. But then we have all these other books, the prophets and the writings, and how do they fit in? Where do they come from? Historically, they're kind of a collection somewhat random collection things like you have things like the song of songs on the one hand and uh, ecclesiastes on the other hand that don't have that much in common ecclesiastes seems uh, many people want ecclesiastes to be some sort of existentialist philosophy and the uh, song of songs seems to be just a collection of love songs so these things when they are attributed authorship so for example if we say that both ecclesiastes and song of songs were written by solomon or written by David, and then we place them at a certain point in time, and then we could say something about them in terms of David's life from other things in, in Tanakh. If we say that David wrote the book of Psalms with the help of 10 elders, so then every time we see one of those elders in the title of the book of Psalms, we say, oh, this actually came out of a certain life situation, as opposed to just being a professional prayer writer, wrote a psalm for somebody who was on his way to the temple, which is another scholarly theory for how psalms were composed. Okay, let's go on. Amar Mar, Yoshua Katab Sifro. So we're going back, and now Amar Mar is a phrase, Mar said, or Mr. said, but actually it's a phrase which means we're now going to take a second look at something that we just read. Yoshua Katab Sifro, Ushmana Pesukim Shabbat Torah. Right? It says Joshua wrote his own book, the book of Joshua, and eight verses in the Torah. Tanya Keman so let's say this coheres with a Tanaitic text, a Brita that says that eight verses in the Torah, Joshua wrote them, because those eight verses start uh, with the verse in, in Deuteronomy 34, 5, and Moses, the servant of God, died there. Could it be that Moshe was alive and he wrote and Moses died there. I know in the in the Vilna editions it says Moshe met and then it's in parentheses, but in all the manuscripts it says Moshe Chai. Right? So could it be that Moses was alive and he wrote and Moses died there? El Ad Khan Katab Moshe. 
until that moment, Moses wrote. Rather, and from that point on, Joshua wrote the book of Moses. This is what Rabbi Yehuda said. And there are those who say Reb Nechemi, that Reb Nechemi actually said that. Amar lo Reb Shimon, efshar sefer Torah chaser ot achat, uktiv lakoach et sefer Torah hazet. Could it be that the sefer Torah is missing even one letter when it says, when God said to Moshe, take this sefer, or Moshe said, take this sefer, take this scroll, and put it next to the ark? This is a verse that we saw last week in talking about where the Torah scroll was fit into the Ark of the Covenant. Until this point, the Holy One, until this point where it says that Moses died, God was saying and Moses was writing. So Moses was God's transcriber. From this point on, God was talking and telling Moses what to write. And Moses wrote while crying. As Baruch ben who was Jeremiah's scribe, said to the king and the king's men when he was dragged in front of them, how did you write all this? And he said, Jeremiah told me what to say. Jeremiah spoke and I wrote it down from his mouth. And so that process is the same thing as Moses writes. And the interesting thing is, or the ironic thing is that there, what happens right after that in Jeremiah is that the king reads what Jeremiah gives him, which is a, a prophecy against the kingdom, and then he takes it and he burns it piece by piece, and Baruch has to go back and rewrite the whole thing from Jeremiah one more time, which just goes to show you should always save your work. Kaman Azla, who does this go according to? In other words, whose kind of opinion is this following? This is Rabbi Shubhan Abba said in the name of Rav Gidal, who said in the name of Rav Shmonepsukim There are eight verses in the Torah in which an individual reads them as one. So let's say that this opinion of Rav, that these eight psukim um, can be read as a unit, does not go according to Rabbi Shimon, who says that they're not that they're no different than any of the other verses in the Torah. I feel the Rabbi Shimon. So no, maybe even if it goes according to Rabbi Shimon, who says that they that Moshe wrote them all. Well, since they were already changed, meaning that since Moshe wrote them with tears as opposed to beforehand, he just wrote them not while crying. So still, they should be read as one unit. Okay, now we're going to go do this again. Yeshua Katab Sifro. Joshua wrote his book. But how could it say? Because in the book of Joshua it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of God, died. Daaske Elazar. Because Elazar finished the book and he wrote that part. But in like another verse later it says, And Elazar, the son of Aaron, died. Daaske Pinchas. No, that's okay because Pinchas. Finish that. Okay. Shmuel Katab Sifro says in many of the manuscripts, it begins each of these paragraphs by saying Amar Mar, meaning we're we going over something which we just read before because we did. Shmuel Katab Sifro, Shmuel wrote his book, the book of Samuel. So also in Samuel's book, it says it relates that Samuel died. Because there you have God, the, the seer, and Natan, the prophet, finished the book. David katab sefer tilim al yidei asher azkenim. So David, you said before that David Hamelach, King David, wrote the book of Psalms by way of ten elders. 
So why we have this whole list, and why don't we add Eitan Ezrahi? Amarav Eitan Ezrahi Zeo Abram. And you don't have to add it because Eitan Ezrahi is Abram. How do you know? Ktiv Hacha Eitan Ezrahi Uktiv Hatam Mi Heir Mi Mizrach Tzedek. It says in Tilim Maskil Le Eitan Ezrahi. Right. So that's one of the uh, a Maskil, a type of song which is dedicated to. Eitan Ezrahi, and there it says, Mi heir mi Mizrach Tzedek, Yikra'eu liraglo, Yiten lefanav goyim umlachim, Yerd, Yiten kafar, Harbo, Kakash nidaf kasho. So it says, Who will awaken from the east, the justice from the east, and call it to his feet? So those two things are said, that shows that that is Abraham. Kachashiv. Moshe v'kachashiv Haman. So he says both in the list we have both Moshe and Haman. V'amar Rav Haman ze Moshe, and didn't Rav say that Haman is Moshe, right? And so how could so why the fact that he says Eitan Ezrahi is Abraham, so therefore he didn't list Eitan Ezrahi is one of the people that David was helped writing. Uh, why does it say Haman and Moshe when there is a tradition that Rob tells us that Haman is Moshe? Ktiv hacha Haman, ktiv hatam v'chol beiti ne'emanhu. So because it says here Haman, his name is Haman, which sounds like etymologically it derives from the word ne'eman. And it says there, God says v'chol beiti ne'emanhu, lo can of the Moshe v'chol beiti ne'emanhu, saying a praise of Moses is not like this because he is the most believable most faithful one in my house. Tre Haman Havu. So the Islam says, no, there are two different Haimans. Moshe Katab Sifro. Okay, we're going on. Moshe wrote his book, Uparshat Bil'am Ve'iyov. And also the story of Bil'am and Job, which seems to imply that Bil'am is its own story. But now we're going to go on to the Eov. And Eov is going to take us more or less on and off for the next two pages beyond this week's stuff. This Supports the opinion of Rav Levi Bar Lachma. Dama Rav Levi Bar Lachma for Rav Levi Bar Lachma says, "Io bimei Moshe yada Io lived in the time of Moshe." Ktiv hacha mi tain efo biyuchtavun mi lai. So it says here in Io nineteen twenty three. Woe that it would be given that my words will be written. Uktiv hatam ubama ivada efo, and it says there. There is Exodus 33, 16. Moses says to God, How will I therefore know that I and Israel have found favor in your eyes? Both of them have the word Efo. So therefore, their Lachma is comparing, analogizing the fact that Eo lived in the time of Moshe, connecting them through this word Efo. If you're gonna do that, if you're just gonna connect them by their by a word, why not say it's in the time of Isaac? Who was it who went out and hunted meat? Yitzchak says, so again you have the word Efo. Maybe it's in time of Yaakov. If so, do this using the word Efo again. And even say it's in the time of Yosef. Efo heim roim. Where are they, Joseph going after his brother, saying, where, he asked the man, where are they shepherding? Where are they taking their sheep? No, because it says, who will get, in the continuation of that, 
verse in Job, who will put them in a book and they will be inscribed, and Moses is called a Michokeg, which is a lawgiver, but also the same, sounds like the same thing as Yuchaku, as inscribed. Because it says, he saw, this is in the end of, uh, this is in the in Hazinu, where the blessing to the tribes of Jacob in the blessing here is, and he saw there the beginning to him, because there is the place, the portion of the lawgiver is hidden. And there the lawgiver is mechokek, and that refers to Moses. Rabba Amar Eov, Rabba said that Eov actually was not in the time of Moses, but in the time of the spies. Ketiv Hacha, it says in one place, Ishayab Eretz Utz, in the, in the beginning of the book of Job, it says a person lived in the land of Utz. Eov Shimon, his name was Eov, Job. And when the spies were given their commission, part of their commission was to find out if there is are trees in the land. And eight and ut sounds somewhat differently. But the Stam says, what are you talking about? Midami. Is that are those two things the same? Hacha ut hatam eight. There are two different words. One is ut, one is eight. Hachi Karmalu. Moshe Israel. So actually, no. What Moshe was saying to Israel, Yeshno lo'oto adam, there is a person, whose years are, the lengths of his years are like the length of the years of a tree. Umegain al And he also guards his generation like a tree. Um, and that is referring to Eov. So that's why they say that Eov might have been living in the time of the spies. So one of the rabbis was sitting before and he was sitting and he said, Eov never existed. This whole thing is a parable. It's a fiction. It's a story. Now, the question that the, the Talmud is going, is going to deal with now is a question that it's not that has gone on for centuries. What of the Torah is true, if anything? And if it's not true, then how do we read it? Do we read it as literature or something else? Do we read it as history? In the Middle Ages, Maimonides pointed to this tradition of the fact that Eov, well, that Job was uh, Mashal, was, was Mashal Bama, was only a parable, and therefore said, because it's a parable, because it's a fictional narrative, then everything in it is written for a purpose. Nothing is coincidental. If it was true, then everything was coincidental. So the the fact that he was from Uts, he just happened to live in Uts. But if it's if it is actually a if it's a, a story, so then the why choose the name Uts and so on and so forth. But there's immediate pushback here to the suggestion that Eov was a parable. Amar Le Barnachmani pushes back and says, Alecha Amarkra Ishayab Eretz Utz Eov Shmo. So that's why the Torah said there was a person who lived in the land of Utz and his name was Job. Meaning, if it was just a mashal, why did they go to such detail in describing this person? Elameata, so from here, Vlarash Ein Kol Ki Im Kipsa Achat Ktana Asher Kana Ve'yichya V'chulek. So the, the pushback from the, the sage was sitting in front of Shmuel ben Nachmani says, what are you talking about? What about the obvious parable that Nathan the prophet tells David when after David kills off Bathsheba's husband? And he has this whole, he winds out this whole 
story telling David that it happened as if it happened so that David would get angry at the poor person and then he could say, you are that, get angry at the rich person. He'd say, you are that rich person. So he starts out by saying, and to the poor person, there's nothing except, he had, had nothing except one small shepsala, one small sheep, which he bought and which let him live. So there's detail there too. Mihabi Elamashabalma. Mihabi was that real Elamashabalma? But it was only a, pro- a parable. Hachinami Mashabalma. Here too, it's just a fiction, it's a parable. Imkain Shmogashem Yerolama. So therefore, why write down the name of Eo's name? Right? right? Why write down Eo's name, Job, and his place and his city's name, Eretzutz? So Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi say that both of them say that Eov was from those who came up from the exile and his uh, study hall was in Tveria. So in other words, he was during the time of the Second Temple. This week's podcast is brought to you by Shnayim Ochazin Betalit Haberdashri. When you need a cloak that is good enough that you would fight for it. Known from Bay Kuba to Pumbedita for the quality of their workmanship and the reasonableness of their prices. Shnaim Ochazin Batalit is your place for stylish cloaks and robes. Listeners of this podcast can get a 20% discount on their first purchase, but only if you tell Chista or Abahu, the providers, that Daf Shui sent you. Shnaim Ochazin Batalit, when you need a cloak that is good enough to fight for. Meitve, so the question is raised. Yimeshnotav Shel Iov. There's a text that says that the years, Eov's years, Job's years, from the, from the time that Israel went to Egypt until the time that they left. So why don't you say, you should say that actually that's not what it means. It's not, it doesn't mean exactly. So therefore, this is trying to say that it's actually they're earlier, they're not the time of the spies, they're time someplace else. So no, what you mean is, it's like the time, in other words, it's the same amount of time as the time of the Israelites went intimate to Egypt and until the time that they left, meaning 210 years. Meitve. So the Gemara raised another question, another from another text. Shivan of Yimdit There are seven prophets who prophesied to the nations of the world, and these are they Bilam, the Abib, the Eov, Alifazatemani, Ubildadashuhi. So these are the seven ones, and amongst them is Job. You go through all these seven. Actually, if you want to get a nice trip through Tanakh, just follow all these different verses. But here, for our purposes, the important point is that Job is, is listed amongst the seven prophets who prophesy to the nations of the world. So if you're going to say, so the answer is, it's also listed Elihu ben Brachel Abuzi. And Elihu ben Brachel Abuzi is one of Job's friends who pops up. He's not one of the three original friends who's in the beginning of the book of Job, but he's one of the later friends who pops up just out of nowhere and seems to be uh, an MOT, seems to be uh, an Israelite. So according to what you're saying, Elihu ben Brachel Lab Yisraelu is not, he is not an Israelite. But how can you say that? It says that he is from the family of Ram, and that is the family of Abram. So he's kind of has a yichus, even uh, good enough for the rabbi. But rather, he prophesied to the nations of the world. So to Eov prophesied his prophecy to the nations of the world. 
So now we see there's a text that says that there was a righteous person in the nations of the world and his name was Eov. And he only was born, only came to the world, meaning he was only born, he only existed, in order to receive reward. So God gave him many tribulations. And he started cursing God. So God doubled his reward in this world. That he will have no reward in the next world. Okay, so it seems here that Eov is only from, is not a Jewish prophet. Now, of course, what this what this touches on, without directly saying that that is the point of this, and the same thing that it touches on earlier when it says, is Eov a true story or is it only a parable of fiction? Is what do we do with Eov? Right? The book of Job is all about the question of theodicy. The question of what is the purpose of evil and is there reward and punishment? And it's a very odd and bizarre story written in a strange Hebrew also. It's written in a Hebrew which is possibly very early or possibly anachronistic or possibly translated from the Aramaic. It's not clear. But God's answer, what the, if we remember the story on one foot, and actually the Gemara is going to go through a bit of the story later, Satan challenges God about God's faithful servant Eov and says, he's not really so faithful. Let me bring a little Tsaris troubles onto him, and then we'll see how faithful he is. God says, okay, goes through the experiment, and then Eov goes through some changes and, and has a whole conversation with his support group of three friends who aren't so supportive, and then he has some more friends, and he finally turns on God and says, why did you do this to me? And then God says, and God's answer seems to be kind of out of left field. What do you mean what it is? How would you understand? Were you there when I created the world? Were you there in the whirlwind? Meaning, this is beyond your comprehension. But when we look at the whole book of Job, we were there when God made a deal with, the, with Satan. So it's kind of like uh, the answer is not so great to us. So the rabbis are as everybody else is dealing with this question of what do we do with this book? Is the book just supposed to be didactic? Is this, was there a real person, Job? Was this, is this part of the history of the relationship between God and Israel that God does this to Israel? Was Job, and there's a, the Midrash in Breshid Rabbah, parallels almost completely the Job story with the Abraham story. And actually here we'll see that in a minute that with the Akedah, the Binding of Isaac story. So, the question of what do we do with this is the question that is underlying this whole conversation here in the Gemara. Okay, so now we're saying we have a, there's a text that the Gemara brings that, that Eo was a righteous person amongst the nations. 
and he only came to the world in order to get reward. God brought tribulations upon him, and he ended up cursing God. God doubled his reward in this world so that he wouldn't get any reward in the next world. Tanai! So, whether or not Eov is from uh, Israel or not is a dispute amongst the Tanai. The Tanya, Rebbe Lezromer, uh, Rebbe Lezer says in the Brayta, Eov was at the time of the judges. Right? is the first verse of Ruth in the time that the judges ruled. Here, Eov says to his friends, Here, you have all seen me, and why are you talking nonsense? And what are you telling me? It's my fault. You've all seen me. He's the Dorsha Kulo Hevel. So what generation is all nonsense? Hevel Omer, is the Dorsha Shvotashvotim. So that it must be the generation where the judges ruled. B'shuv ben Karcha Omer, so no, the second opinion is B'shuv ben Karcha says, Eov bimei Achashverosheh. Eov was at the time of Achashverosheh. That is at the time of the Esther story. Shnemar v'lo nimtza nashim yafot kivnot Eov v'chol ha'aretz. Because they did not find women as beautiful as the daughters of Job in all of the land. And then the Gemara asks, So what is the generation which they searched after beautiful women? This is the generation of Achashverosh. We have the beauty pageant which ended up in crowning Esther. So let's say, why do we say in the, the time of Achashverosh? Let's say it's the time of David. Because in the because in, in when David gets old, they go out and they search for a beautiful girl who can keep King David warm. So there also you have Vayevakshunara and then it's a Nara Yafa, beautiful girl. So it's the same thing as Eov. Hatam that's different because that's only searching out all of Israel and not all of the land. So you can't make that Midrasha connection. So now we have a third opinion. Eov was at the time of the kingdom of Sheba. And because it says in the beginning of Job, part of when his children and his livestock and all of his possessions were being attacked, that Sheba, the kingdom of Sheba, came and fell upon them and took their stuff and his booty. Job was in the time of the Chaldeans because, again, it says in the beginning of Job, the Chaldeans came in in a three-headed attack and they wiped everybody out. And the final opinion, Job was at the time of Jacob, and not only that, but Job married Dina. Here in Job, it says, Job says to his wife, are you talking like one of the nivalot, one of the scoundrels? And it says there, the brothers say about the rape of Dina, an awful thing has been done, a polluting thing has been done in Israel. So the nivala, the same word, nivala and nivalot. So all of the Tanaim there say that Eo, that Job was a Jew, was from Israel, except for the Yeshomrim, the final opinion, uh, which is named as those who say. Because if you want to say that Eo was from was a Gentile, 
How could it be that after Moses died, that the uh, whole divine presence rested upon the idolaters? Did we not learn? Moses asked, Moses requested, that the divine presence would not rest upon the idolaters. And this was given to him. His request was answered. As it says, and I and your nation will be separated out. So this is the difference that there, there will be no more divine revelation amongst the nations. Rabbi Yochan says that the generation of Job was completely overflown with licentiousness. Because it says, Job says to his friends, which is in the verse that we just quoted before, for you have all seen it, and why are you speaking nonsense? And it says in Song of Songs, Return, return, the Shulamite, return, and we will see you. So meaning we will see you as being pretty. So therefore, obviously what that means is that when they say about that they are licentious. So let's say, why do we say that? Why don't we say chazitem? Because chazon is often used as a term for a prophecy. Chazon yechazkeo, ben buzi, or chazon yeshayao ben amotz, the prophecy of Isaiah or of Yechezkel. So let's say it's a prophecy. Dichtiv chazon yeshayao ben amotz. See, and the Gemara is quoting exactly what I'm saying. The, the prophecy of Isaiah ben Amotz. So, so if that's true, if it's actually the prophecy, you all prophecy, then why does it say afterwards, what's all this nonsense? Because prophecy is obviously not nonsense. So now we're going back to the verse that we quoted before. What does it mean in the times that the rulers ruled, and that's using the shvot as a verb and shoftim as a noun, the rulers ruled, or the judges judged, dor shofet et shoftav, turning it around and saying, actually the generation that judged its judges. Judge says to the people, in remonstrating with them, take the wood chip out from between your eyes, this is another way of saying, open your eyes. And they say back to him, take the beam out from between your eyes. Meaning, not going to take your guff. So they would say to him, your money was uh, washed out. You're using money, which is forged, basically. They say back to the judges, oh yeah, but you use wine, which is watered down. Meaning, the generation in which the, the people are not allowing themselves to be judged by the judges because the judges are no better than the people. Not that there's any contemporary application for this necessarily. So anybody who says that the Queen of Sheba was actually a woman, meaning the Queen of Sheba was in the time of Solomon, who sent Solomon very all kinds of riddles, and then came, and finally they joined forces. Anyway, it says that there was a woman, God forbid, is is mistaken. My Malkat Shva, Malchuta Deshva. So what is Malkat Shva, the Queen of Sheba? It's not the Queen of Sheba, but Malkat Shva is Malchuta Deshva, the Kingdom of Sheba. Okay, let's just let that sit. Al Adonai, 
ויאמר השם אל השטן מאין תבוא, ויען השטן מהתהלך בארץ. So now we're starting on the book of Job itself, uh, which can, we're going to be in for a while. This is the beginning of the book of Job. It's written on that day. Actually, Bahiyayom is something that repeats throughout the first and second chapters of the book of Job, talking about the day, referring to the same day, and that's the day also that Job's children are celebrating. So it was the day, and the B'nai Ha'elohim, some kind of angelic creatures, came, and they, they all came before God, and Satan came amongst them, and this is one of the earliest times we have a notion of a, a figure called Satan. And God said to Satan, where are you coming from? And Satan says, I've been out in the land. So, so this actually explains the next line, which the Gemara interpolates into the story. So he said, before God, God, master of the universe, I have been flying all around the world and I have not found anybody who is faithful to you as Abraham is. To whom you said, rise up and walk the land in its length and its width, for I have given it to you, and even so, even so, when he didn't find place, when he didn't find a place to bury Sarah, until he had to buy one for 400 pieces of silver, he did not once doubt you. So it's the fact that it says in the verse, that the Talmud says, oh, he must have been saying, I was just going all around and I bumped into Abraham and I saw that he was so faithful to you. So God says back to Satan, Oh yeah, you like Abraham so much? Have you paid attention? This is actually the verse itself. Have you paid attention to my servant Job? Because there's none like him in the land. Amar of Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan explains this, saying, Gadol in Emar Yov, Yotermi Mashin Emar Abraham. That which is said about Job is greater than that which is said about Abraham. De'ilu Abraham k'tiv, about Abraham, it says, or God says, the verse says, Ki yadati ki Elohim ata. For now I know that you fear God. But about Job, it says in the book of Job, So it's all these other things also. A simple and straight, God-fearing man who stays away from evil. What does it mean that he stays away from evil? Iov was not, Iov uh, was a, would give up on his money. He wasn't very demanding about getting all the last penny that was owed to him. Min olam, so the way of the world, noten chatsi pruta lachen bani, iob vitrami shalom. So the way of the world is, and Rashi explains what he's talking about, is that if you made a deal, and the deal was for a, a pruta, which is like the smallest amount of money, and you had, the deal was for, you wanted to split it, so you'd go to the store and you'd buy something worth a pruta, and you take half of the pruta and leave the other half of the pruta, Eov wouldn't be worried about his half of the pruta. Okay? The story continues. Vayana Satan et Adunai v'yomer hachinam yirei Eov Elohim halo atasachta badova beito. And Satan says, oh yeah, you think that for nothing Eov is fearful of God? You gave him everything. Sachta badova beito. You've given him 
his house, his belongings. He's like a rich guy. You bless the, the works of his hands. So what does it mean that you bless the, the works of his hand? the son of said, Anybody who gets a pruta, a coin from Job, is blessed. Another thing that it says that his and his flock spread out all over the land. What does that mean? The flock of Job broke the habits of the world. It is the habit of the world. That the wolves come and they eat the lambs. But for Eov, he had a flock of uh, lambs, and they would kill, or goats, and they would kill the wolves. Okay, we're going to stop here. So we're in the middle. It's actually at the end of, uh, just about the end of Tepav Amabeth, 15b. The Talmud is continuing for another daf. Uh, we're almost finished with the chapter, but the, daf, the Talmud is going to finish almost until the end, talking about the book of Job, because the book of Job is a paradox. It's uh, what's going on here. It's not clear what the point of the book of Job is. And so the Talmud is going on and on about what exactly, who exactly Job is, whether Job is good or bad. For on one hand, he questions God, or it seems that the book of Job puts God's righteousness in question. On the other hand, it seems that Job was faithful to God. It seems that Job might have been a paradigm for Abraham. So the Talmud goes on and on in talking about and interweaving and weaving Job into the rest of Tanakh. Okay, we're going to stop here. Thank you so much for joining me for this Daf Shvui. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I will give you... A daf or so. I am Arye Cohen. We're here in the Daf Shui Beit Midrash in Southern California. Once again, thank you so much to Ellie Unger Sargon, whose steady hand makes sure that the sound on these podcasts is just wonderful. And if you feel so moved, please click through on the podcast page and recommend this podcast and give us a a rating and all that good stuff. Tell your friends about it. And so that next week, we'll have even more people who'll ring out with the sound of Torah throughout the world. Have a good week.